Wonderful. Our scripture this morning, we continue in the Gospel of Mark. We are in chapter 2, and we will begin in verse 13 and go through verse 17. Again, that's the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Let us hear now the words of Scripture. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house... Many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Here ends the reading from God's holy word. Let us go to him in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Here Jesus is again with a bit of a curious crowd surrounding him. The scribes of the Pharisees. Now, the scribes of the Pharisees, we saw them last week. They were there when Jesus was in Capernaum at Peter's house, and and these men brought a paralyzed man and dropped him through the roof, and they're part of that curious crowd. They see this happen, and Jesus forgives his sins and then tells him to get up and walk. He heals him, and he heals him. And it was there that it was in their hearts that Jesus heard their hearts. How can this man forgive sins? Only God can do that. They thought he was a blasphemer. Jesus heard their hearts and he he talked to them about exactly what it was he was doing. So that was their encounter they had just had with Jesus. And now they see Jesus in Levi's house, who's a tax collector, Tax collectors, these awful human beings who were traitors against their own people so that they could make a few bucks and get rich, sided with the Romans. So the scribes of the Pharisees see Jesus reclining and eating with them, and they are shocked. They can't believe what their eyes are witnessing. This was the same man who just forgave sins and healed a paralyzed man. They know that that is something of God. They understand scripture and the prophecies of a Messiah and and probably have lended themselves to begin thinking this man is the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God. And then they see this. They see this righteous man This holy one, and he's reclining, and he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. 
Oh, the scandal. Now, we have the benefit of time and having Scripture to understand and, and, and maybe feel this isn't as scandalous as they saw that it was. We often look at the Pharisees or the Sadducees and, and these scribes and we say, how can they be so blind? Don't they see who Jesus is? But here, here they see Jesus reclining, eating with tax collectors and sinners. It's preposterous to them. They don't understand it because Pharisees themselves, the word Pharisee means the separatists. They were separating themselves out. There was no desire for them to ever hang out with anyone who wasn't holy and righteous. They wanted to avoid unclean, unkempt people. And they witnessed Jesus, the scandalous Savior. How could he do such a thing? They didn't understand in their context. The scandal comes because Jesus isn't despising the same people they despise. For they would never go and eat with tax collectors and sinners. And yet here Jesus is eating with them, reclining with them. And their understanding was that when they saw Jesus eating and reclining with them, that he was accepting of them. And so the scandal comes because Jesus, who forgives sins, doesn't hate who they hate. But there Jesus is, showing his heart. He shows his heart and how he interacts with people. For he isn't afraid of getting close. In fact, it's to the very core of his nature. It's in his name, Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, coming near to us to be with us in a deeper relationship. A closeness is there. And he's not afraid of the unclean or the unwanted or the undesirables. Jesus has a heart for the lost and the lonely. And this, my friends, is the scandal of Jesus. For he said it himself, he came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, to understand what he means by righteous, the righteous ones are the ones who uh, worked hard. They were perfect. There was nothing between them and God that broke their relationship. It's that legal standing. They were right with God. They were righteous people. And, and that's the truth. Jesus didn't come for righteous people because they didn't need to be saved. He didn't come for those in good standing with God. He came for sinners who couldn't help themselves and needed to be justified, to redeem, to reconcile, and to restore them to the Father in heaven. And he does it for those who do not and cannot earn it. And that's the scandal of the gospel. Jesus came to save lost sinners. And those who think and believe that they're righteous and can't fathom what they are seeing. 
For it's through the scandal of Jesus and the scandal of the gospel that we gather here and we give thanks. For we understand something today that the scribes of the Pharisees didn't understand that day. We need Jesus. We aren't too good for Jesus and his grace. For we know deep down in our souls, we need his love, his peace, his joy, his grace, and his presence in our lives. We can't live without it. And so we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate him and and we call Jesus friend of sinners. But that's not original to us. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees that gave him this moniker, friend of sinners. It wasn't meant to be a badge of honor or to be a good thing. They meant to use it as slander. And here Jesus is with those same people. He's telling them it's those who are well do not need a physician, but it's those who are sick. How many times have you gone to the doctor because you were feeling healthy? It's a rarity. We, it's, it's something that is preposterous to us. And it was especially preposterous back then. The idea of, well, checks and yearly physicals weren't there. You only saw the doctor, the physician when you were sick. And Jesus says that he comes for those who know they are sick and need healing. And we give them thanks. But yet at the same time, we can't read this scripture and totally dismiss the scribes of the Pharisees and and their unbelief of this scandalous gospel and the scandalous way of Jesus. In fact, I believe that in our heart of hearts, we must confess that at times we too question who God is including, who it is that he chooses to give grace and forgiveness to. For oftentimes we know the person, maybe we feel that we know them better than others, and we see them and we go, really? Them? They get grace? They get forgiveness? We don't get it. We don't, we don't understand. We, we know they don't deserve it. They don't deserve the forgiveness and the grace that, we're for, that they're getting. Author Bob Goff, who wrote a best-selling book, Love Does, said this, that grace is only hard if we are still keeping score. Grace is only hard if we are still keeping score. And this... This was the problem of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. He couldn't understand his father's love and grace and forgiveness of his little brother because he was too busy keeping score. And we too can fall into that trap of keeping score, of comparing our life with others of measuring ourselves against others and what we deserve and what they don't. And yet all we see here is Jesus' heart filled 
with love. But you see, Jesus isn't here to hate the people we hate. But Jesus calls us to put down the scoreboard and to love the people Jesus loves. Amen.